Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mark Hirschberg about the skills essential to thriving organizations and how individuals and organizations alike can work to develop them. Mark Hirschberg, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. We've been preparing for this for a little while now, and I know you have a lot of insights uh, related to career success and the skills that are needed for individuals and organizations to find uh, and maximize their, their capabilities. So that'll be the focus of our conversation together today. As we get started, I just wanted to share Mark's bio with everybody. Mark Hirschberg is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. From tracking criminals and terrorists on the dark web to creating marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at uh, startups in Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At MIT, he received a BS in physics, a BS in electrical engineering and computer science, and a master's in engineering and electrical engineering and computer science, focusing on cryptography. At the Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. He was one of the top-ranked ballroom dancers in the country and now lives in New York City, where he is known for his social gatherings, including his annual Halloween party, as well as his diverse Cufflink collection. Uh, I love the bio. I love uh, the diversity of experience. Uh, It's not every day that I get to talk with a ballroom champion and an electrical engineer um, that uh, has experience at Harvard and MIT. So uh, thank you so much for joining me, and it's a pleasure to have you here today. Anything that you would like to share by way of background or context before we really dive on in? It's been a, a heck of a year so far, and unfortunately, some of those activities you list in my bio have been a little curtailed. No big Halloween party this year. But as much as this year has been full of setbacks, there's also been some tremendous opportunities given the nature of what's been going on. And so I hope people have been capitalizing on those. Yeah, I think so. Uh, certainly, it's been a hard year. People have been dealing with a lot, and I don't want to minimize those challenges that people have felt. But amidst challenge, there usually are opportunities. And that's something I've definitely seen this year. Uh, for, for those who are able to capitalize on it, um, there have just been a, a whole range of opportunities 
uh, both for individuals and for organizations to recalibrate, to, to step back, refocus, figure out what is really essential and, and then move forward in a more cohesive, positive way. So I, you know, despite the challenges, I I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've seen this year. Yeah. I think a lot of the skills that I talk about in the book are skills that we kind of take for granted and get lost in the noise when we're just day to day in the office. And now we've had a chance to step back and focus on what's important it's really been a good opportunity to understand these skills, to develop these skills, to capitalize on it. So just as an example, networking is a skill people talk about all the time. As the pandemic began, everyone said, well, this is terrible, no more networking. And by that they meant, well, we can't go out to a conference and hand out 50 business cards. But of course, true networking is about relationship building. And this has been a fantastic opportunity. Again, unfortunate that we're in it to begin with but making the most of it, to build these relationships, especially with people who are not local to us. Because years ago, I couldn't say, hey, why don't we do a Zoom call to catch up, right? Folks would have looked at me funny, but now it's normal and I can continue to foster and grow relationships with people I otherwise wouldn't see. So there's been really good opportunity for this type of personal development during this time. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same thing. Uh, I've always um, collaborated with a lot of people across the country and even throughout the world. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm no stranger to video calls. I've been using Zoom and Skype and, and other such platforms for years and years. Um, but it's, this still caused me to shift my mindset a little bit. Um, whereas before, you know, I might have sporadically and every now and then jumped on a video call with somebody, but still tried to meet in person whenever possible or to travel somewhere to, you know, go have a work meeting. Um, now, you know, I, it, for the first time, it just really caused me to, to reevaluate and say, well, are, are those elements really necessary uh, for the, the, this collaboration, for this networking to happen? And the answer is no, it, it, it hasn't been necessary. Uh, and in fact, I, I find that I've had way more networking opportunities, way more collaborative opportunities uh, globally uh, during the pandemic than I ever had before. And I'm someone who's been quite involved uh, in those types of endeavors in the past. Right. Communication is another area. And I talk about it in two separate aspects in the book. So there's a communication of how we interact with each other and how we share ideas and a commonality, which becomes more important because we are losing some of that channel. As we do voice calls, we of course lose video. Even as we sit here on our video calls, we're losing some of our body language, right? I can, I can do a little with my upper body here, but you're losing my overall body language. And so it's important to make sure how we communicate and getting to, am I conveying the ideas correctly is really done well, and we have to be more conscious of it. The other aspect, when I talk about some basic management principles, I don't get into here's the management philosophy, do this versus that, but what are some fundamentals? And one of the things I talk about is management is a lot of thinking about what is information flow. It's making sure the right people have the right conversations at the right time. And that used to happen somewhat organically because I'd walk by your cubicle and say, oh, by the way, we should talk about this. Or we're in a meeting together and we're there a few minutes early, so we chat. That doesn't happen. And now we have to be a lot more conscious. What is that information flow and who needs to have those conversations when about what? 
but by consciously focusing on it, we can become more efficient in terms of our operations. Yeah, we have to be just much more deliberate, right? And it, one of the challenges I think facing leaders and organizations who perhaps are, are new to this remote work, virtual work kind of an environment is how do you, how do you become more deliberate and, and purposeful in these types of encounters? And how do you, how do you replicate some of those um, chance encounters, uh, the, running into someone in the elevator, or walking past their office, you know, these kind of water cooler type of moments? What can we do to have meaningful um, connection, networking, collaboration, uh, communication occurring uh, in a virtual environment, um, recognizing that those don't happen organically anymore. They have to be more planned out. I think there's two methods to this. And first is being more deliberate, is making sure it happens. And it's not the spontaneity, but the benefit of the spontaneity, at least half the benefit was, that's how information did flow. And so now we're just gonna be more conscious and saying, I'm not just waiting for it to happen however it happens. I am going to engineer the meetings, communications, emails, reporting, however you do it. I'm gonna consciously make sure we have a process to ensure that that happens. So that's one part of it. Now the other part, there's still always gonna be some spontaneity, which either leads to your innovations or new ideas, or just fostering a personal relationships. And that will come from using tools. Um, there are, for example, uh, Slack plugins that create one-on-one -on -one engagements. They kind of do the random assignment of, let you and I have coffee, because the tool says so. And so you can create that spontaneity. You can encourage individuals just to, you know what, every morning, the 30, 45 minutes you're gonna do on your commute, just have that engagement with someone. Just pick someone and say, hey, let's do a 15 minute morning coffee or creating the virtual water coolers in instant messaging channels or doing online group activities, although we all don't wanna spend much more time online. But I, I think you can replicate that through a conscientious effort and then just providing some of the, the channels where that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think those are great insights. So you've talked a little bit about communication. You've talked a little bit about networking. Uh, maybe really quick, you can lay out a few of the other um, uh, real uh, skill uh, aspects that you talk about in your book. And then I want to go into, you know, what, what's our individual role to try to develop these skills in ourselves and taking ownership over our own careers and development. Um, and, and how does that connect with an organization's role, the leader's role in making sure that they have uh, uh, an upskilled workforce, you know, people who have the necessary capabilities to help the organization be successful? Yeah, three really important uh, questions there. Let me start with the first. So what do I cover in the book? And I'll preface this by saying this wasn't simply, well, I kind of feel like talking about this. This comes from research that we've done at MIT and at other universities that has gone out to the industry and said, what skills are you looking for? And industry here is universal. It's not just the tech companies you hire from MIT. This is across the you know, US and even global companies who just hire people, what are the skills that they're looking for? And I add to that a few other things they weren't looking for that I know people will find helpful. So let me explain how the book is structured. The first structure is on your career. So chapter one, career planning. How do you create a career plan? 
how do you get to the job you want in five, 10, 20 years down the road? Section two is working effectively, managing your manager, understanding corporate culture, dealing with corporate politics, some basic skills that within your role are gonna help you be more effective. And then three is interviewing. Now there's no shortage of material on how to interview as a candidate, how to answer those what's your weakness questions, but we do a terrible job teaching people how to hire. Most people I know have had zero training on how to hire someone, how to interview someone, but that's such a key part of our job. And if we're building successful teams, it begins by recruiting the right people the right way. So that's section one. Section two is on leadership and management. And here, as I noted before, I don't get to this theory versus that at a high level, I'm not talking Six Sigma versus Agile. I'm talking about research-based fundamentals, uh, getting into team formation and structure, getting into fundamental feedback concepts, motivation, what motivates different people. And there I do pull in from academic theories. And then leadership, what is the fundamental essence of leadership? Because especially to people in the first decade or two of their career, many of them see leadership as role-based. I'll be a leader once I become a manager, once I get that title. And so they miss out on these opportunities to lead. So I get to what's the fundamental of what leadership is, which is influential, not positional. Then the third section is getting to some basic skills, communication, negotiation, networking, and ethics. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. You know, as I, as I consider, um, you know, my own career, my own trajectory, I can't help but think about myself in relation to what you're just talking about. Um, and, and one of the things that really hit me uh, that you were just saying is in relation to leadership roles versus leadership capabilities, right? That we all have the opportunity to lead and influence and be change agents within an organization. And it has really nothing to do with a formal title, a formal role within that organization. Um, you know, people can have that kind of influence and impact regardless of where they happen to be in, an, in a hierarchy, um, if they can learn those types of key skills that will help them 
to, to be more influential. Um, so what do you see some of those as being some of those key um, competencies that everyone needs to be able to drive, for example, towards uh, leadership success? Well, this is, a, you, I think you hit the nail on the head that it's recognizing these opportunities are all around us. And certainly companies are saying, we don't just want people with these high titles to lead. We'd love it if no matter where you're sitting at the table, you can step up and lead. That's why leadership is one of the uh, skills that they've identified. But we see this all around. Negotiations is another where people think, well, that's where we sit across the table and I'm going to slide a number to you and you're going to slide a number back to me. And negotiations are these formal activities. But in fact, we negotiate all the time, whether it's I'll help you out on this project, but I need your help with this or trying to work with some trade-offs. So, hey, can I take a little extra time off, maybe work from home, a lot easier these days. And of course, negotiation as well. Many people see it as how do I divide the pie to get a, as big a piece as possible? But when you change your mindset, you recognize the first thing you should do when you go into negotiation is how do you enlarge the pie before you think about how to divide up the pie? And when you get these mindsets, now all of a sudden you start to recognize negotiating opportunities all around you internally with your peers and other departments, as well as externally. And you go in with how can we create a bigger pie for all of us? And so you went from I negotiate three times a year with a vendor to I'm negotiating every few weeks and generating more value by enlarging that pie. And so all of these skills, when you shift that mentality, when you recognize it's not so formally bound, and when you recognize the opportunities that you can create with them, you now on a weekly basis, even a daily basis sometimes, can generate more value to the company and more success for yourself in your career as you use as you go forth and just apply these skills yeah and and generating value i think that's really what it's all about right um and that's not just economic value i mean that's that's personal um intrinsic value as well uh and so i again i think about myself and my own kind of responsibility around my own development i hope my employer will invest in me and be willing to support me in my development but I can't necessarily count on that. Um, I need to take some ownership and responsibility for that. Um, and, and you've you've laid out some good framings uh, for that. And I think a good the, the mindset shift is one of the, the key first steps. Uh, having a growth mindset, generally speaking, and then looking for opportunities uh, and not allowing yourself to feel um, limited or diminished based on perhaps formal function or role that you have within your organization currently. Uh, so then though that does feed into, you know, really what do organizations need to be doing? So we have a lot of people listening who are leaders. Um, maybe they're in HR, maybe they're uh, in some sort of a mid management or executive leadership role at, in some area of the organization. And they're trying to figure out, you know, we, right now unemployment rates are quite high because of the pandemic, but, I mean, historically speaking, we have a really tight labor market. We know that there are major skills gaps uh, in our economy in the U.S. and, and globally. Uh, and it's a challenge to get and retain good people. So we don't always have the luxury of just being able to go find that new unicorn who's going to come in and transform the organization. Oftentimes, we, we, you know, we, we have 
what we have. Uh, we have the pool that, that um, applies for the position or we have the people that are in the organization. We have to be looking for ways that we can reskill and upskill our people and, and take responsibility as an organization and as leadership to make sure that we have the capabilities necessary to be competitive, right? Moving into the future of work. Um, so what can organizational leaders do to make sure that they're helping their people develop the right types of skills and competencies? We need to take a new training approach when it comes to these skills. Traditional organizational training has been a just-in-time informational approach. What do I mean by that? If you have someone and she now needs to start using Excel, needs to learn macros or pivot tables or whatever, you send her to a class, internal, external, say, go learn this. She learns what are the 17 commands, and then she goes back and she starts to use them. And that is simply remembering information and applying it. It's what we did in college on our chemistry tests or our history tests. And it's what we do in a lot of what we learn, whether someone's being trained up to do social media marketing or someone else is learning a new tool for their, for their particular job. And that's fine for that type of skill. These are not mechanical skills where you just memorize, here's the command, here's the this three-step process to do something. It's going back to, I have to change your mentality to recognize that leadership is all around you and the opportunities happen daily. And they're also not, here's the answer. There's no, this is the way to lead, right? You talk to seven people, you're gonna get seven different approaches to leadership. And it's that diversity of opinion that's important. So given this, your training can't simply be, I'm sending you to a two-day seminar on leadership and you come back and great, now you're a leader. So you need to have a more continuous approach and you need to have an approach that brings in a diversity of opinions. Fortunately, this is easy to do. You have that diversity of opinions within your organization, or if you're small, you can partner with others. What you should do is similar to what we do when we teach this at MIT, or what's done at most business schools, which is you want peer learning groups. It's not about listen to someone lecture for an afternoon and assume they have it. It's about creating small groups, having these discussions, talking about leadership opportunities or communication opportunities or negotiation or whatever your topic is, and getting that diversity of perspectives, getting people to talk about, you know, I saw this case. In fact, I'll tell you at MIT, probably the biggest learning, the way we teach, we, we set something up, the students engage in a behavioral activity, it's not listening to us lecture. Then when we debrief, it's that discussion, and it's even bringing in some of the war stories from people like myself who say, you know, I was in a situation like this, here's what happened. And you have that within your organization. So you can create these small groups to do the peer learning among themselves. And you can supplement that by, whether it's based on my book, you can use other outside resources, you can bring in some speakers to initiate some of the topics. But the good news is you don't have to be spending thousands of dollars per head because people can do this peer learning. And that will happen, again, over time. This isn't you do it for a two-day seminar. You do it for, say, an hour every other week. So now what's happening? They're getting a diversity of opinions. They're getting different perspectives. It's happening over time. So it's constantly reminding them, oh, think leadership, think communication issues, as opposed to three months ago. And what was that we learned? It's happening at low cost, and it's happening now throughout your organization. 
Because traditionally we say, well, you in this, this level and above, right? Managers and above, you get the training, but not these other folks. Now you can get in your whole organization. And even better, if you do use a common book, it doesn't have to be my book. I'd love if it is, but I don't want to, I'm not here to sell books. I'm here to get you to train your, your folks. When you do give everyone the same book or even same set of articles, you create a common language and a framework. Because now when someone recognizes the issue, they can say, oh, this is X. And ever says, I know what X is. We learned that in this article. And that makes communication understanding so much better as you face these skill challenges. Yeah, and I really like how you talk about embedding these experiential opportunities throughout the organization. So it doesn't need to be time bound. Uh, it doesn't need to be location bound. Uh, and, and it's not just getting information and regurgitating it, right? We're talking about actual skill development, competency development that happens through real time practice and engagement with your people. And that can be embedded throughout. Um, the best universities are moving that direction in terms of how they do their teaching. Uh, the best um, organizations are moving that direction in how they do their corporate training and those types of engagements. Um, so I think that that really is a key answer as we try to think about how to effectively reskill and upskill our people. Um, and the and the reality is with the, the rapid um, pace of technological disruption that even if you bring in that unicorn who's like the, the top person and you're able to keep them, they, they, they can't make it on what they have coming in. Like they, they're going to have to continually learn and develop as they go. Everyone will, uh, or we're going to be obsolete pretty quickly. Well, Mark, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. We're about out of time. Um, and I know we could go further uh, into your book. So I do want to give you the last word, give you a chance to uh, give any final thoughts and also share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find your book, find out more about what you do. Uh, and and uh, so they can reach out uh, if, if they are looking for that opportunity. I would encourage everyone to think about how within your organization, you can build this type of pure learning structure. If you're not in an organization or not in a position where you can do this, you can replicate it on your own. You can build it with a series of friends or peers from different organizations and just build your own little learning pod and go through these materials and develop on your own. And of course, if you do this at a company, the best part is now you have improved employee engagement because now they're interacting with other people and they're, they feel they're learning on a regular basis. And it's a great way to create that employee stickiness. For those who want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at thecareertoolkitbook.com. That's my website. There's a contact form. You can follow me on social media. There's also a number of free resources there, including I have some free guides you can download to explain how you can set this up at your organization. Again, you can do it. You don't need my book to do it, so you can just download that for free. And now you can be the hero that creates this wonderful engagement program at your organization at zero cost. And then if you would like to buy the book, you can of course go to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, local bookstores, or you can contact me if you want to do bulk sales and distribute this throughout your organization. Great. Thank you so much, Mark. It has really been a pleasure talking with you today. Uh, I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, check out the book uh, and see what uh, Mark might be able to do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.
we are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.